Beginning and Healing Ministry by Vincent Chung There are many ways to minister and receive healing. As long as it is not against biblical principles, any method is acceptable. Anointing with oil is one approach, but it is not necessary. Even here, James says that it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick, and it is the Lord who raises him up. James chapter 5 verse 15. People have different preferences, and although there is only one God, there are different operations. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 to 6. In every aspect of ministry, I minimize the use of means, tools, and rituals, so whenever it is up to me, I do not use oil. When I first started, I would almost always lay hands on the sick. Jesus appeared to prefer this method as well, Luke chapter 4 verse 40. Both Jesus and Paul probably considered it the most reliable approach, Mark chapter 6 verse 5, Acts chapter 28 verse 8. However, when people started to receive healing in their seats while I preached, and when they started to receive healing while standing close to me as I interviewed them about their conditions before laying hands on them, Acts chapter 5 verse 15, I stopped touching them as often. If the healing begins as I talk to them, then I either stand back and tell the people that God is healing, or I rebuke the sickness and command the body to be healed. This is more common in public gatherings. When praying for the sick in private, my main method would still be to lay hands on them. God can heal in unusual ways. Elisha told Naaman to wash seven times in the Jordan, 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 10. Later, a dead man was revived when he was thrown into Elisha's tomb and touched the prophet's bones, 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 21. Paul could send out fabric that had touched his body, and the sick were healed, Acts chapter 19 verses 11 to 12. Jesus used spit on the sick, and they would be healed, Mark chapter 7 verse 33, Mark chapter 8 verse 23, John chapter 9 verse 6, but he did not do that all the time. The Bible includes these examples, but God can heal in so many ways. A man with stomach cancer, accompanied by his doctor, was taken on a stretcher to an evangelist. The preacher punched him in the stomach so hard that the man bounced off the bed a little. The doctor thought the man had died, but a minute later he was healed, standing up and praising God. The same evangelist threw a crippled child off a stage, and the child landed on his feet, healed and walked by himself. People sometimes come with parts of their bodies bent in abnormal ways, unable to move or straighten them, Luke chapter 13 verse 11, perhaps due to arthritis or injury or something else. In some cases, we would just grab the limbs and bend them back to the proper positions, and they would be healed. This is in fact not rare, and I have done it myself. Nevertheless, some methods are standard, and there is no need to run after the dramatic. Unless there is special direction for a specific case, select one that the Bible teaches as a standard approach, laying on of hands, anointing with oil, a prayer of petition, speaking to the sickness and the body, and that is the most consistent with your personality and level of faith. If the sick person specifies a method, then use that method, unless there is a reason to refuse. For example, I might avoid touching a woman or a child when there are no witnesses, even if asked to do it. Although I prefer to pray without means, if the sick person asks me to anoint him with oil on the basis of James chapter 5, then Sice would do it. This follows Jesus' pattern. When the sick asked him to lay hands on them he did, Mark chapter 5 verse 23, Mark chapter 7 verse 32. When they asked him to come to their homes, he did, Mark chapter 5 verses 23 to 24. When they told him not to come to their homes but only speak the word he did, Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 to 13. 
On the way, when a woman decided that she would receive healing by touching his clothes, she went ahead and did it. She took healing from him without asking, Mark chapter 5 verses 25 to 29. She did not need permission, faith is permission, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. By the time Jesus realized what happened, she was already healed, and he looked around to find her, Mark chapter 5 verses 30 to 34. When a woman asked him to heal her daughter, and he said he was not sent to people like her, she said do it anyway, and he did, Matthew chapter 15 verses 22 to 28. God is sovereign, this is a non-negotiable assumption in our theological reflection. However, although the Bible teaches a doctrine of divine transcendence, and this is the metaphysical context for everything else, it usually speaks in the language of divine immanence when it refers to God's dealings with people. He interacts and even responds to us in time and history, and thus we should also usually speak on this level. Of course the divine nature forms the basis of our reflection, and it is always assumed, but it would be awkward and unnecessary to always attempt to speak in the language or from the perspective of eternity and timelessness. God condescends to interact with us in time and history where we live. So I pray, and he answers. I act and he responds. Abraham, Moses, Hezekiah, and others negotiated with him. There is nothing wrong with this. The Bible is not all eternal decree all the time as if it was written for God himself to read. Once certain truths are assumed, we can talk freely as creatures living in time and history without compromising those truths. For example, although nothing happens apart from God's will and power, it is not wrong to say that sickness comes from the devil, and that we should fight it by faith and prayer Acts chapter 10 verse 38. In fact, the Bible would require us to think and speak this way. God is sovereign, but Jesus did not attribute healing to God's sovereign will. He made a point of crediting people's faith, Matthew chapter 9 verse 22 and 29 Mark chapter 5 verse 34, and 10:52 Luke chapter 8 verse 48, 17 19, 18 42. The same is true with Luke, Paul and James, Acts chapter 14 verse 9, Galatians chapter 3 verse 5, James chapter 5 verse 15. And on many occasions, he was practically dictated by what the people's faith wanted him to do. This is the opposite of what many people believe. I refer to those who are unlearned in spiritual operations, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. If they believe healing happens at all, they tend to attribute all of it to God's sovereignty, and rarely to faith. This is the opposite of how the Bible represents the situation. God is sovereign, and there are so many people who exploit the doctrine to excuse their unbelief and to justify a victim mentality. Since God is sovereign, they think it means that we never know what He will do, or what terrible tragedy He will send upon us next, for His glory and pleasure of course, and for some reason He seems to derive so much glory and pleasure from our suffering. On the other hand, the Bible uses the doctrine of divine sovereignty to assure us that God's purposes will always come true, and that He will always fulfill His promises, not only when it comes to the grand scheme of things, but also our individual lives. God's sovereignty is the basis for knowing what He will do, and believing that we will receive good things from Him. Once God promises to do something, He does not sovereignly do something else. If He was going to do something else, He would have sovereignly said something else. However, it seems that most people who embrace the doctrine of divine sovereignty, believe that, in effect, God sovereignly breaks His promises, and that He does it regularly. The doctrine excuses his capriciousness and excuses our faithlessness. If this is how a person applies the doctrine, 
then it would be better for him not to have learned it in the first place. God will do exactly what he said he will do. Since he is sovereign, no one forced him to say it. And since he is sovereign, no one can stop him from doing what he said. The Bible teaches us to take responsibility for our faith and our lives. This is true of holiness. James says, when you are tempted, do not say that God is tempting you, but consider your lusts. James chapter 1 verses 13 to 15. He also says, submit yourselves to God, but then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 7. Resist him. You do it, not God. And Satan will flee from you, not God. The Bible takes the same stance when it comes to healing. Do not throw God's sovereignty back in his face and pretend that it is humility. Many people surrender to circumstances, thinking that by this they are submitting to God's will. But the Bible tells us to fight. And because God is sovereign, we will win.